Hey guys, my name is Tilda the Bookworm and this is my podcast about books, as you can probably tell, because my name is Tilda the Bookworm. So, my podcast is, as I've already stated, about books, uh, all different kinds of books, from children's books to not adults' books, because I'm not an adult. But, um, you know, from children's books to teens' books, except I probably won't do children's books because most children's books are absolutely trash. Not insulting children's books or anything, more like teens' books. Um, I was originally going to do School for Good and Evil, and I'm probably going to do that at some point. But I want to start with a book that isn't a series, so that, like... I don't have much pressure to, like, continue that same thing. And the book that I'm going to read first is probably... I know this is in a series, but it's probably going to be, like, something around the kind of book type as The Hunger Games. I'm probably going to want to read Dorothy Must Die because that's one of my favourite books. I'm probably going to end up reading the Gallagher Girl series by Ali Carter. Probably going to do some Jill Lewis, Eva Ibbotson, things like that. But if you like books, and you like that kind of books, then just listen to my podcast. For, for my sake, if not your need to listen about books. So... I'm just going to go and think about what book I should start with, and then we'll continue. Deliberation. I have decided to start with a slightly shorter book, but it's not too short. It is 254 pages. Uh, it's It's got a really cool cover. It's got... I'm just going to kind of be reviewing this as I read as well. It's got a girl on the front with cobwebs and the title is in like an old font and it says 12 minutes to midnight this book is called 12 minutes to midnight by christopher edge that's quite a cool name i wish i was called christopher edge so we're going to be reading the first chapter and then i'll review at the end so here we go montgomery finch gripped the sides of the reading lexern his knuckles whitening as he stared out into the darkness of the auditorium his bristling eyebrows arched and the gleam of his dark eyes seemed to dart across the faces of every audience member in turn a mesmerized silence hung over the stage it was as if the theatre itself was holding its breath as it waited for the conclusion to his latest spine-chilling tale the expectant hush seemed to deepen as flinch finally began to speak and when he turned and looked into the mirror his trembling visage a cracked alabaster in the moonlight he saw the dread face of dr cameron standing back at him staring back at him the man that he had murdered some seven years before the dim gaslights lining the walls of the theatre flickered faintly as a shocking gasp rippled through the audience flinch's face twisted into a grotesque grimace his voice now a guttural rasp that echoed around the auditorium i'm back the face in the mirror snarled the man shrank in fear fear as cameron's gnarled fingers reached through the glass stumbling backwards he dashed the lamp from the table darkness shrouding the violent scene as the two men struggled until only one figure was left standing montgomery french paused his dark hooded eyes looked up from the last page of the manuscript stacked on the lectern in front of him 
A low whimper was audible from the back of the stalls as the audience shivered in their seats. Flinch began to read again, his voice trembling slightly as though fearful of what it was about to reveal. Reaching out, a wizened hand righted the lamp, and as its warm pool of light spilled across the room, the hunched form of Dr. Cameron stepped towards the ornate mirror. Imprisoned there behind the glass, his murderer raised his hands in a desperate plea of pity. "'I'm sorry!' he cried, the ghost of his words whispering behind the glass. "'Please, I beg of you!' With a hiss of satisfaction, Dr. Cameron raised his stout walking stick high, his brass-tipped feral guesting, glinting in the lamplight, and with an unnatural strength far beyond the capabilities of his frail form, he brought the cane crashing down with a whip-crack. Flinch brought his palm down on the lectern with a thunderous report. The mirror shattered into a thousand pieces, and, for a moment, in every single shard, the face of the last Earl of Pomeroy could be glimpsed, his mouth stretched in an endless scream as his dark and murderous deeds were finally avenged. In the front row, three women fainted dead away, their consorts frantically racking the previously unexplored hinterlands of beaded purses in the search of smelling salts to revise... to... to... to revive their spooning spouses. Further back in the stalls, an elderly gentleman in a navy blue frock coat clutched at his chest, his drink-mottled cheeks wheezing as a paroxysm of fear overwhelmed him. But around them, the audience rose to their feet as one thunderous... I cannot speak today. As one... As one thunderous applause filling the auditorium as Montgomery Flinch bowed deeply. The evening was a resounding success. This rare appearance by the reclusive master of the macabre and sneak preview of his latest story would have hordes of eager readers queuing in the streets tomorrow for its exclusive appearance in the pages of The Penny Dreadful. And to think, nobody had even heard the name Montgomery Finch only 12 months ago when The Penny Dreadful was a fourth-rate magazine scraping by with a readership counted in the dozens. Now, ever since its appearance... The appearance of Montgomery Finch's fictions in the pages. The Penny Dreadful had a circulation close to half a million. The magazine flying off the bookstands every month as the readers devoured Flinch's dread tales. In the fading days of the 19th century, the fame of the man himself even threatened to eclipse that of Dickens, Kipling and Doyle. The literary world astounded by his meteoric rise to stardom. As Montgomery Finch stood there in the spotlight... His hands raised in false modesty as he soaked up the applause, the pinched face of the theatre manager nervously peering around the crimson drapes at the side of the studio. With a shuffling gait, the black-suited impresario... What even is that? Sorry, I'm only 12 years old. Impresario inched his way across the stage as the house lights were raised, until finally he was standing by the author's side, the ovation still ringing out across the theatre. He nodded towards Flinch with an obsequious bow, and then, turning back to the audience, held up his hands out for a gesture for silence. Reluctantly, the applause slowly faded away into a smattering of hand claps, the theatre-goers returning to their seats as the manager began to speak. May I once again extend the heartfelt thanks of the Lyceum Theatre to the illustrious Montgomery Finch for finally breaking his silence and sharing this exclusive performance of his Christmas tale of terror with us, he warned. This story will be published tomorrow in the December issue of The Penny Dreadful, available from all good booksellers. 
Another round of applause broke over the stage again, the audience sharing their thanks the only way they knew how. Reaching inside his frock coat, the theatre manager pulled out his fob watch and glanced down at its face, nervously twisting the chain with his other hand. And as the performance appears to have finished slightly ahead of schedule, he continued, I'd like to throw open the stage any questions from the audience. I'm sure Mr Finch would welcome this unique opportunity to talk directly with the (laughs) devotees of his most remarkable fictions. The impresario turned back towards Montgomery Finch, whose face had cracked in horror. Flint drew back from the lecture, and his dark eyes flashing with fear. I really don't know if I can. A forest of hands reached out from every corner of the theatre. Questions fired towards the stage in an exciting humble of voices. Mr Finch, why are your stories so scary? Where do you get your ideas from? Monty, what's your next story going to be about? Ladies and gentlemen, the theatre manager struggled to make his voice heard above the sudden din. One at a time, please. From the middle of the front row, a man's booming voice hushed the crowd as his question rang out clear as the bell. What's the big secret, Finch? Flinch. Wow. I... This podcast is kind of to help improve my reading out loud and my self-confidence, but it's not working. There was a sharp intake of breath as the audience craned to see the face of the questioner. The voice belonged to a tall, thin man in a prince-striped suit, who leaned forward in his seat towards the light spilling off the stage. His neatly trimmed moustache gave his lean, pockmarked face the appearance of someone trying to look older than their meagre years. In his hand, he held an open notebook, pen poised above the paper, as we waited for Montgomery Finch's reply. The author's broad shoulders sagged. The author's broad shoulders sagged as he reached forward and grasped hold of the lectern's edge. What do you mean, he stuttered, his face suddenly pale beneath the spotlight. A single bead of sweat slipped down his forehead and poised, suspended from the end of his long nose before falling silently onto the manuscript pages below. You're the most celebrated author in Britain, but nobody knows the first thing about you, the young journalist continues, his voice echoing around the now-hushed theatre. Other authors toil for years in uh, obscurity, but here you are, an overnight star. His his eyes glittered mischievously. I'll ask you again, what exactly is your secret? There's no secret, French bustard, waving his hands dismissively at the question. I'm just lucky, I suppose. The journalist frowned, his eyes narrowing as he opened his mouth to speak again. But before the words could escape his lips, a shrill cry echoed across the theatre. That's not true! The eyes of the audience swiveled to the far end of the front row. There, a young girl in a fashionable red dress had risen to her feet, her outstretched finger pointing straight at the stage. Her long dark hair was pulled back from her face, and her pretty green eyes sparkled with indignation. She's the girl on the front page, by the way, just just so everyone knows. I've read every single one of your stories, Mr Flinch, she said, her voice rising in protest. It isn't luck that's made your name, but sheer dazzling talent. Nobody else could have dreamed up some such nightmarish visions, created such mesmerising characters, or crafted your spine-chilling tales. We don't need to know your secret. Just give thanks that you're willing to share your stories with us. Still standing in the spotlight, Montgomery Flinch's face flushed with... <laughs> Montgomery Flinch's face flushed with relief. Reaching into his pocket for a handkerchief, he dabbed at his brow, as yet another peal of applause rang out from the audience to acclaim the young girl's words. In the front row, the journalist was still struggling to make himself heard. He glared at the girl, a gleam of recognition in his gaze, but his voice was lost in the tum- tumultuous ovation. That's very kind of you, 
to say, Flinch finally replied as the audience, <laughs> as the applause gradually dimmed. And now I really must bid you all good night, but I'd be most honoured, miss, if you could join me backstage so I can pre present you with a signed copy of my latest tale. Stepping out from behind the lectern, he held out his right hand towards the girl, and the audience applause redoubled at this unexpected act of kindness. The dark-haired girl slowly climbed the steps at the front of the stage, until finally she was standing in front of the author, and Montgomery Finch strode to greet her. Then, with a final bow to the audience, the two of them exited stage left, spearing behind heavy... <laughs> disappearing behind the heavy crimson drapes. As stamps and cheers shook the stage, the author led his way through the maze of corridors backstage. His broad frame brushed past discarded pieces of painted scenery and forgotten props, clothes rails filled with musty costumes, the smell of grease paint heavy in the air. The two of them walked in silence until finally they reached the dressing rooms at the back of the theatre. Stopping outside the door with a fading star nailed to the peeling green paint, Montgomery Flinch unlocked his dressing room and ushered the girl inside. The pokey room was dominated by a large mirror surrounded by lights. This sat on a solitary table overflowing with vases of flowers, empty glasses and crumpled sheets of paper. Around the room, more brightly coloured costumes hung from the rails amid the decapitated bodies of mannequins, ghostly relics of the actors who had gone before. With a heavy sigh, Montgomery Flinch slumped into a chair in front of his dressing room table, <coughs> he reached towards a crystal decanter filled with a dark amber liquid and with a shaking hand poured a generous measure into the nearest empty glass. Closing the door behind her, the dark-haired girl turned towards the author, her pale face now wreathed in fury. What in the blazes do you think you're doing? And that, I'm afraid, is the end of chapter two. My thoughts... It, it's very, it, it doesn't contain an, an ounce of dramatic irony, which in some ways can be good and in some ways can be bad. Because dramatic irony is most of the time funny, and this is not a funny story. Um, it creates a lot of suspense and not knowing, especially with the mysterious ending. I'm afraid this is where I'm going to have to leave the podcast, as that is the end, but I'll try and put my next episode of this for chapter two up, maybe tomorrow or the next day, or whenever I have time. I just hope you enjoyed, and see you next time, I guess.